Hello everyone, welcome back, this is Zary in the Air, thanks for being here. Today I have a ripe stream of consciousness for you. But before, I just have a little bit of housekeeping here. First of all, I have made a new tier on my Patreon page, and I would just absolutely love it if you enjoy this podcast and support what I do, then I would just highly encourage and ask you to support me in return, that could be as little as $5 a month on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash airy in the air. I really appreciate that. Trying to make this thing a little bit more sustainable and maturing into my own need to ask my supporters for what I need. And what I need is money sometimes, but most of the time, yeah, money. <laughs> so $5 a month on Patreon. I really appreciate that. The other thing I want to tell you about is that I am on TV now. <laughs> I'm on TV. Um, as I think that you know, if you listen to this show a lot, that I was hired to do a TV show for Discovery about highlining and base jumping, and it was really fun. I did that in October, November uh, 2020. It was a very trying experience, and the TV show is now out, three episodes. It's called Pushing the Line, and it's available streaming on Discovery+. And I have to say, I've watched three episodes, and it is awesome. It's so cool. It's like my, it's like my summer camp was, they made like a huge action movie out of my summer camp. And it's so cool. It's so cool to see my friends. It's so cool to see myself crushing high lines and doing all this stuff. And some parts of it are hammed up pretty severely. And um, But all of it is shot very beautifully. And um, it's put together quite well. So I highly recommend you check out Pushing the Line. As for today's stream of consciousness, I... I'm going to take a few deep breaths here and I'm going to play some of this music to get us into the right headspace because housekeeping is closer to Mars than what we're about to talk about. So tune in here, take a deep breath. We're going to get right into it. sitting here sipping my coffee excited to be recording again i love to podcast and i'm so glad you're here i appreciate that Hmm. so as you may know i am quite verbally fluid words are one of my gifts of which i'm really grateful for it's a fun gift Language is a way for us to communicate, a way for us to connect and share things, and I'm 
so grateful that that's been one of the things that my brain and culture and family has done well. So, in the spring, when people get married, my head spins around and it thinks, hmm, what is important here? Do I have any wisdom? How would I impart it? What is my own experience? What does it mean? So many questions. A lot of them end up taking, or I guess in my head, the way I would impart it is some kind of speech, right? (laughs) Obviously. It's like a 16-minute podcast episode live in front of the whole wedding. (laughs) And um, (laughs) so a couple of my streams of consciousness are the seeds of them were planted this spring at weddings as I witnessed friends of mine making commitments to their relationship, commitments that I've made in the past, where I feel like I had certain observations, I had certain experiences, and I've been ruminating on the subject so thoroughly for so long that I, f- that I, I guess I'm still looking for conclusions in myself. I'm still looking to shine the pearl out of the thing. I don't think that I know much. If I ever glean wisdom, it's through observation, not ingenuity. I think if I'm ever wise, it is because I paid close enough attention and I gave it space, not because I was clever. I used to think that my cleverness was wisdom, and now I have a a wariness for my own cleverness. If I'm feeling clever, I actually don't trust myself very much. But if I'm feeling tuned in, I'm learning to trust myself more and more, learning to read my intuition. So... I have friends that were married earlier this year. I went to their wedding. They have been together for a really long time, nearly a decade. And COVID postponed their wedding. But the circumstances were that they actually didn't set a date after that. And I think that... Actually, I don't want to speak to their experience, but my intuition was that COVID validated their cold feet. Marriage is a huge commitment, and it is so heavy on us for so many reasons. And I think one of the reasons is that we identify with our decisions and we want to make good decisions and we want to pick the right person and we don't and we want to avoid future suffering, failure, shame. So anyway, they got re-engaged. They set a new date. And once this new date was set, 
all kinds of things started bubbling up in their relationship. All the different problems, all the different insecurities, all the uncertainties started to bubble up into their awareness. And it bubbled up to the surface. And I'm not the best man or even close, and so I'm actually kind of separated from this particular couple, but from the information I gleaned and my conversations with them, it seemed like everything was coming to a head around this big commitment. And fair enough. It makes sense that in the honeymoon phase of a relationship, we would be so smitten over our partner that engagement sounds great. But by the time the wedding comes around, we're actually looking back on ourselves, our decision-making, our partner, scrutinizing a lot of different things, circumstances, timing, character, all these different things, which I don't want, I'm not trying to shame that by any means. I'm just saying that this is, seems to be a pattern I've witnessed before in myself and others. So, she started going to therapy. They went to couples therapy. They started just airing their laundry out. And they ended up getting married. It was a very beautiful thing. I wasn't there for the ceremony, but I was honored to be invited to witness them in the coming hours and days as we ate meals together and ended up partying. I insisted on mushroom tea, and I think that we're all glad that I did (laughs) because we had a great dance party. There was this weird thought that kept coming through my head and like I told you before my the wisdom bubbled up in me and it came in a really strange phrase the strange phrase that kept bubbling up for this particular couple was don't let your divorce ruin your wedding Don't let your divorce ruin your wedding. What I mean by that is a couple of things. That means a couple of things. One thing is that Don't let your fear of future failure spoil your presence of trying right now. It seems reasonable to me that if you're going to get married, there are going to be fears of future pain, suffering, failure, loss that are going to arise. To try to combat those things by sabotaging your own presence at the wedding 
seems like a mistake to me. I don't, I'm sure, I'm not totally sure that makes sense outside of my head as much as it does inside. So I'll continue to try to elaborate on that idea. Don't let your divorce ruin your wedding. I think that in myself, one of my most toxic patterns that I've operated in partnerships is an identification of my own worthiness based on my partner. It's an identification of my own worthiness based on my relationship. The quality of it, the health of it, the duration of it. The looks of my partner, her class, her behavior, her temperament, demeanor. That's not to say that... You're better off picking people that you don't like. No. But a preference and an identification are two different things. I think that this misconception of our identification, our identities being bound to the other person's outward appearance, behavior, is likely what gives us these cold feet. It makes us afraid that we're actually making a mistake right now that won't play out until long into the future. But you can't let your divorce ruin your wedding. If, you, if it's a mistake, so be it. You're making the choice that you are right now with the information that you have. And having a fear that someday you'll get information that you'll look back on this day with contempt that you were making a mistake, let it go. Forgive yourself. You can only make decisions on the information that you have right now available to you. The idea that in the future you'll gain information that will make your current decision a mistake and you'll want to cringe about that right now is a uh, masochistic you're punishing yourself as i speak this thing I, as i speak this i speak it to myself i hope you know that there's so much of my past that i look back on with cringe and as I get older it seems like I'm having more and more compassion for myself which feels great and it's expanding outward to other people as well I think I used to have quite high standards for how people operated their intimate relationships and now I seem to be softening into my own mistaken relationships and the winding routes that they seem to take. The delicate balance between my own discerning decisions and my own compassion for my needs and wounds.
There's another part to don't let your divorce ruin your wedding. And this one actually comes in when you actually get divorced. The first part of it is don't let your fear of future failure spoil your presence of trying right now. Don't let your fear of future shame shame you right now for making a mistake that you don't know you're making. You have to try. You have to be easy enough on yourself to try. And I think being easy enough on yourself to try also comes with some integrity that you will earnestly try. And if you don't have a record of earnestness in your own self, if you don't trust yourself to be earnest and authentic, then that will be increasingly difficult. And I sense that the way forward there is to build that record with yourself, that you trust yourself to be earnest, authentic, vulnerable, real, intimate with yourself and your own feelings. Speak your truth, hard as it may be. The second part of don't let your divorce ruin your wedding is when you get divorced and you look back at your partner and yourself with contempt. I was married. I was married young. And I was married for a long time. Cheetah and I were together for nearly nine years. And we've been apart for know, almost four. We share the dog still, and I love her dearly, and we see each other quite frequently. And we're in contact most of the time. We're still working to heal our relationship and air the things that hurt and celebrate the things that were good and make meaning out of that, learn from it. That's an ongoing process that I'm so grateful that she's willing to embark on with me. The dog is certainly a key factor in that as she's been the common ground that has kept us in contact. The amount of wedding days ruined by divorces are many, and the amount of resentment that is carried around in parents is poisoning children and causing cancer all over, emotional or otherwise. Resentment is self-betrayal. We resent other people because we have a feeling of self-abandonment that we project out onto other people. We resent them. When I say don't let your divorce ruin your wedding, I'm speaking mostly to resentment. Resentment is a very difficult emotion to relate amidst. And 
one of the most important emotional hygiene practices that we can do is to notice, acknowledge, and try to let go of our resentments. Try to see the root of them as self-abandonment for the things that we're not standing up for ourselves or speaking our truth about. I'm feeling, not solemn, but I'm feeling like this is both ripe and real for me right now. So my cadence is a little slow and the recording is a bit breathy, but I'm trying to stay tuned in to it, to what feels true as I say it. Don't let your divorce ruin your wedding. Be here now. It's okay. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for the mistakes that you're currently making that you don't even know. Forgive yourself for the way that you're deceiving yourself right now that you don't even know. And for the ways that you do. You see, this thing that we are was set into motion long before we were born and will continue in motion long after we die. We tend to over-identify with our wounds. And so that's my next stream of consciousness here is about sweet wounds, these sweet wounds. I have other friends who were very close friends and following a messy betrayal in his relationship and the seeming end of that relationship, the two close friends started dating immediately after the breakup. Well, the seeming end of the relationship wasn't the end, and it seems like it became some kind of betrayal, a long, deceitful deception full of lies and stories and cover-ups of who he was communicating with and when and what his feelings were and what his intentions were and motivations and plans and at this point as the whole thing has crashed on the floor in front of us it seems like the story was essentially the same to both women that the other one wasn't a thing and that one was all that mattered in the wake of this I've held a lot of space for my devastated friend as she comes to terms with her own self-deception and the outright deceit and deception that was played out by him. And 
the sentiment that I've heard over and over is that the entire thing was inauthentic. And the entire thing was a lie, a ruse, fake. It was a phony. And I can... I have so much sympathy for that sentiment that when you try something and you open yourself up for so long to someone only to find that they were deceiving you in even in, in, in any way for some duration of time, it can taint the entire relationship. It can paint the entire thing black. <sighs> what a painful thing. It's been a painful thing to witness. These webs we weave, huh? I had a reflection for my friend because I've experienced this in my own life, especially lately as I've been digging in real deep with a therapist. I've begun to see that these wounds, these fears, this shadow of mine, it's not on its own. It's blended. It's mixed up with my light. It's woven into me. It is not just a side of me. It is not something that's behind me or beneath me. It is woven into every strand of me. And the outcomes and behaviors that I have in my life manifest not just from my wounds, my patterns, my conditioning, my childhood, but also from my light. Say a young, airy has childhood experiences that lead him to have a existential fear of abandonment and a deep, deep need for approval from his father, his brother, his peers. Well, it might manifest in his relationship in negative ways. It might have him seek things out of his relationships that he can't actually get from them. It might have him have unhealthy expectations of his partners. It might have him shame himself for certain things, certain feelings, desires, needs in his life. But maybe he'll also use that drive to become a professional athlete in three sports to be outspoken, to encourage people. You see, it is not separate from me. My shadow is not separate from me. My wounds are not separate from me.
the affection that we give our partner, even though we sense that there's something unhealthy about a relationship, the affection is still from the light. The care is still from the light. The love is still from the light. Is there shadow that might be fueling the thing? Certainly. But it's not a either or. It's not a shadow or light. It is a blend of both. It is woven. They are woven into each other. The reality is that even on this podcast, you will in, if you listen to me here, you will ingest both my shadow and my light. I used to be so sorry about that fact that I denied it, that I refused it to be true. And in doing so, I created a shadow. I created the shadow. I gave it the power because I refused to admit it, that it was there. The reason I refused to admit it was because I have shame around it. And what you shame stays the same. What you shame, you hide. And what you hide is your shadow. What you refuse to look at is your shadow. And what you refuse to look at will be projected onto the world outside of you. This is how the psyche works. So, I feel like now I'm coming to terms with the reality that the fabric of me is woven with my shadow and my light, my conditioning and my aspirations. It's my wounds and my goals. Even on this podcast, you will ingest both my shadow and my light. Every partner I've ever had and ever will have will experience my light and my shadow. The goal is not to eradicate my shadow because there's no way you can. If that is the goal, then you're trying to eradicate some part of yourself, an integral part. Your shadow is inherently the things that you can't see. The unknowable, the unknown, is unknown because it is currently inaccessible. It hasn't been accessed. It hasn't been known. So when I say these sweet wounds, I'm trying to reframe how I think of my own conditioning. Because I used to have so much shame around the idea that I would have a fear of abandonment that would make me needy as a partner. And that shame around me being needy as a partner would just drive those actual needs that I have down into unconsciousness. So I wouldn't know them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to know what needs I was trying to have met at any, given per, at any given point through any number of the strategies relationally that I was employing. That is to say that I was doing things, but I didn't know why. And my justification narratives in my head would say that I was doing them for one reason, but the reasons themselves were obscured. It's also not to say that because I have this knowledge now, or this willingness to look at these things, 
that it all becomes conscious that I'm suddenly enlightened and I know why I'm doing what I'm doing all the time. No. I wish that were the case, but that's not the case. No, my shadow is still my shadow because I can't see it. When you take a flashlight and you point it at a shadow, it goes away. But when you stop looking at it, it comes back. My sweet wounds. My sweet wounds. I love these wounds. They are me. These abandonment wounds have made me a very committed partner. Isn't that amazing? My abandonment wounds have made me a committed partner. My fear of belonging, my need for belonging, my need for approval has made me a professional athlete. <laughs> These sweet wounds, I just hope to keep my eye on them and to be tender with them. I really just want tenderness for myself. My inner educator has been so harsh for so long and I'm looking for a new teacher. <laughs> I'm looking for that voice of my inner educator to be sweeter with myself and more preemptive, more understanding, more open, accepting, and whole. Mm. These sweet wounds. Your, your wounds are sweet too. Your wounds have created the best parts of you. Your wounds have created the best parts of you. I think that's such an important perspective to at least be able to consider. Your wounds have created the best parts of you, and without your wounds, you wouldn't be who you are. Yes, it comes with, there are problems that come with that. But they are sweet wounds. trying to be grateful for my wounds as strange as that sounds I hope maybe you'll consider the same process I've got a dog growling at me and wants to go outside it was great being here this was cathartic for me and I hope it was I don't know I don't know what it was for you you could let me know you could also become a patron on Patreon. Thanks so much for listening. See you on the next episode.